This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. It made a mess of me. And I love the lyrics there. He said, I, I want to reverse this tragedy. I can tell you today, the only way you're going to reverse that tragedy is through Jesus. And so Jesus is still in the business of taking messes and making miracles. And so we've been talking our series about detours. We're on detours number two. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hands. Our ushers will get you one. Then go with me to the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. And you say, Lament what? Lamentations. That's right after Jeremiah. So you get to Isaiah, Jeremiah, then Lamentations. Most believe Lamentations was written by Jeremiah himself. Now, where we're going today is... If I, if I keep reliving my past, I, I'm going to stay there. I, I can't get out of that. I stay stuck. And what happens there is these patterns become ruts day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. But understand this. God has given every one of us the opportunity to make life new. Change your opportunities. Just change every part of you. And so I play a part of that today. Even when my life is marked by sin. And maybe sin's marked your life. Guess what? God's still got a plan for you. Lamentations 3. Let's begin in verse number 19. And it says, remember. Remember. Now, what's going on here when you see the word remember? He's taking his, his self back to his thoughts. He's thinking about what has, has happened in his life. And he says, remember my affliction." I'll never forget my trouble and my roaming, how I was lost. The wormwood, which some say the taste of ashes, and the gall or the poison I swallowed. My my soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind. Man, he's he's hit bottom. And it's very clear here that he's an outcast in his own eyes. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. I keep a grip of hope, an expectation of hope. And I believe God wants to do that for every one of us today. That He he wants you to leave here today understanding that there's hope for you. No matter what's going on. So he's looking at his past. Now he shifts here and he goes through his future. And he says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new. His mercies are new every morning. And when we talk about his mercies, we're talking about his compassion, his commitment, and his covenant. Now, you know why God's mercies are new every morning? Because we used them all up yesterday. It's okay. That's what they're there for. And God mercies us from our past. And he'll move you forward. And he goes on to say, Great is your faithfulness, or great is your stability. The Lord is my portion. One translation says, I'm sticking with God. And then he says, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Those who expect and those who hope. And he's talking about just waiting hopefully. Waiting with a hope, and he ends with, the soul who seeks or inquires of him. So when you read all this, 
your today is not dependent upon your yesterday. And my, my destiny isn't based on my history. You know what? One of the greatest things you can do with your yesterday is you learn from it and then you move on. And one thing I learn about my past is this. I look at it and I say, I don't want to go down that road again. I've been that way and I'm not going to live that way anymore. And so when you live that way, actually you're living by the wisdom of God. So what ultimately happens here is yesterday's over, tomorrow's not here, so all I got is today. And I can tell you this, God wants your today to change. Go with me to to the book of John chapter 8. John chapter 8. So there was a time in Jeremiah's life, guys, he didn't didn't have any hope. But God brought him back some hope, and God will do the same for each one of you. And like I said, even when your life is marked by sin. You know, part of Lamentations, the concept was that of suffering. And one of the reasons they suffered was because sin in their life. It's the same with us. Sin can cause great suffering in every one of our lives. John chapter 8, verse 1. And everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. He sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set him in the midst, they said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. She was caught red-handed. And I want to highlight there, she was caught. Sometimes our nature as human beings is we think this, that if I don't get caught, it was okay. And what happens when life doesn't catch us in things, because there was no consequences for what we did, we do it again. And human nature is, we do it again, and we do it again, and we do it again. And even in the area of sin, just because you don't get caught, Don't think God didn't see it, okay? God sees that stuff, and he doesn't like it. So we back up, and we look at the first four verses that we read. Jesus goes into the temple or the church to preach. Just like this here on a Sunday morning. And I'm not even close to Jesus, but we're going to say Jesus is standing right here. And all of a sudden, a group of the scribes, the Pharisees, which would be the religious leaders... They bring this woman who's got adultery and they march her right here in front of every one of us. And they say to Jesus, we caught her red-handed. Now here's my thought in that is this. When did the church quit receiving sinners? It didn't. It didn't. Actually, Jesus himself said in Matthew 9, 12, he said, Those who are well aren't needing a physician, but those who are sick. So listen, here's the the thing this morning. If you're a sinner, I want to personally welcome you here today. I am glad you're here because guess what? Whether we want to admit it or not, every one of us have sinned. And every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. So don't let's let's don't ever get where we frown when sinners come around here. You know, it was a time in my life I was a great sinner. Not just a good sinner. I was a great, I was really good at sinning. But thank God I got around people who loved me. And that's where I believe the church has got to stay. Not that you stay as a sinner, but we welcome you as a sin, as a sinner. 
You know why? You know what sinners do? This may be a big, big mystery to some of you. Sinners sin. That's what we do. Keep reading, verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? Now this woman right here, her life is literally in jeopardy due to her sins. And it's evident that she's guilty. And the law here demands punishment. According to the law of the Old Testament, this would be Leviticus 20.10, it said if you're caught in the very act of, of adultery, we're going to stone you to death. But the problem with these religious leaders is they've already disregarded the law. And you say, well, how's that? Well, it doesn't take a nuclear physics major to figure this out. To get over an adultery, it takes two people. But yet they only go after the woman. So it's almost like they're living a half-truth and they're saying, you know what, we're going to exempt the man. Why? Because we like him. But this woman, we're going to get her. Keep reading. Verse 6. Thus they said, testing Jesus, that they might have something to which to accuse or trap him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now, I've always wondered this, and I'm probably not going to get to see this, figure all this out, until we get to heaven. Why do you think he was writing on the ground? Bunch of idiots. I don't know that. That's just my thought. I don't think Jesus probably said that, but that's just a side note. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her. So Jesus is writing on the ground, and they keep on asking him that. And Jesus gets up, and he says, He who's without sin, you cast the first stone here. Do you know what I see here? Jesus upholds the law. He said that, yeah, she was wrong. And if you want to stone her, stone her. But yet, don't throw a stone if you've got sin in your life. And you know what we'd say a lot of times as human beings? Well, I've never committed adultery. No, 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 no. Look what he said. He didn't say he who's without adultery. He said he who's without sin. And so human nature is we get over, we think we can categorize sin. That sin's worse than this one. But no, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said he who's without sin, let him cast the first stone. Interesting, huh? So look what happens in verse 8. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. What did he write this time? You know what I think he wrote this time? Suckers. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that either. I ad-libbed a little bit, okay? So he writes down again. Verse number 9. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience... Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience. What convicted their conscience? When Jesus spoke the truth to them. And any time we hear the truth, the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict our conscience. Now there's a huge difference between conviction and condemnation, okay? In John 16, verse 8, Jesus himself 
said that the Holy Spirit was sent into the world to convict the world of their sin. You know what conviction does? It, 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 it convicts my heart where I realize what I've done is wrong. Not to beat me up, not to punish me, but to get me to stop. And here's how conviction looks. When you get born again and give your heart to Jesus, it works in two ways. Before you sin, the Holy Spirit will convict your heart. How many of you have ever been on the verge of doing something that you knew you were going to sin? Maybe telling a lie, and you could sense the Holy Spirit convict you saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. He wasn't doing it to be ugly to you. He wanted it to be right to you. But if you didn't listen and you went ahead and sinned, you know what he does next? He convicts your heart of the sin. And you know what he says? Repent. Repent. Conviction is a good thing. And if you're not getting convicted here this morning, we need to do a better job preaching. Because the Word of God is designed to convict us to help us. And you're going to find out what conviction's there for. So it convicted their conscience. Back to verse 9. And they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Now the conviction of the Holy Spirit's a good thing. You know why? Because if the Holy Spirit wouldn't have convicted these guys' hearts... That woman would be dead. And so ultimately, one by one, they leave. And guess who's left standing there? Jesus and this woman whose life is marked by sin. Now, it's interesting here. Here's Jesus standing here with this woman marked by sin. But the sin didn't bother Jesus. Jesus didn't look at her and say, get out of here. Get away from me until you get your life right. He didn't say that. Jesus welcomes us as sinners, and here's the deal. If me and you could get past sin without Jesus in our life, God would have never sent him. But the only way we get past sin is through Jesus. And Jesus isn't moved by sin. Sin doesn't bother Jesus, okay? So let's keep reading here. Verse 10, And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Now you see the two different words, conviction and condemnation. Condemnation is is an accuser of you being guilty. And the difference is when the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's it's in a way that's, that's peaceful, it's soothing, it's good. When condemnation comes, it's like taking a ball pink hammer and beating yourself in the head. And when condemnation comes, you can always be guaranteed it comes from the devil or it comes from people. Condemnation doesn't come from God. How do you know that? Well, let's keep reading here, and I'm going to show you some truths here pertaining to this. And so he says, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Now, I don't know if it would be unanimous, but the majority of people in this room, we can quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all know that. Just put your finger right there and go back to John 3, and I want you to see something in John 3.17. Not John 3, 16, 
John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, to beat the world up, to tell the world how sorry you are. But he sent his son in the world that through him we might be saved. So Jesus came to save us right here. This is the, He didn't come to point his finger at us to accuse us. So Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know what I see in this? The very thing that Jesus says to this woman, he says to me and you. And he looks at you for even the sins in your life, and he says, you know what, I don't condemn you. But he says, leave your life of sin. Now, when you look at what Jesus says, that last phrase here to her, he says, go and sin no more. He wasn't ignoring her wrongdoing, and he wasn't downplaying sin. If you'll note in there, he didn't say to her, you know, it's okay to sin. That's what grace is for. Go ahead and sin. Now, that's not what he said. He said, go and sin no more. Now, you know why Jesus says that to us? Romans 6.23 says, the wage of sin is death. And he knows that when we live a life of sin, it's literally self-destruction. But when we allow Jesus to come into our heart and start changing us, it's self-preserving. And Jesus wants to work on the inside of every one of us, just like he did with this woman. So you know what he was saying to this woman? Don't sin no more, and I'm offering you a new way of doing life. Where you don't have to be stuck in your past. You don't have to live a life of sin. You don't have to live a life of shame. You don't have to live a life of guilt. You don't have to live a life of condemnation. You know what shame has to do with? Who you are. You know what guilt has to do with? What you've done. And every one of us in this room, we have some shame. Pastor, do you have shame? I got shame. But Jesus has taken it away from me. I'm not proud of the things I did before Jesus came into my life. Because I was in all kinds of trouble. I brought great shame to my home and my parents. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus' blood, it'll still cover that stuff. And it will move you past this. So let me tell you today, God still got plans for you, even if your life was marked by sin. And look at verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You know what Jesus is saying? I can bring light where it's been dark. So how does this look here? Well, what do you do to get born again? Do you earn it? No. You just come to Jesus as you are, And he receives you, and you give your heart to him. And then he says, just keep following. Just keep following Jesus. You know what Jesus is telling us here? Just keep hanging out with me. Just keep hanging out with me, and I'll change you. I'll work on you. And it's like I said earlier, if we could change ourselves, we would have never needed Jesus. And so the more I hang out with Jesus, the more I become like Jesus. And when I become like Jesus... 
those old patterns of sin in my life, that appetite for sin starts to leave. Now turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So how do I live different today from yesterday? Where sin doesn't stop the things of God in my life. Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 to start with. Verse 1 of Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That tells me, you know what, if condemnation's coming after you, it isn't from Jesus. So who do you think it's from? The devil will continue to try to get you to focus on your past. Now, a big word in there is there is therefore now. Now. You know what now means? Right now. Today. It doesn't mean when we get to heaven, okay? Jesus wants you to live freely right now. So there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That word condemnation means guilty of wrong. Where you walk around all the time with the sense of, man, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. Now let's just say that you're on death row today and you're there because you're guilty. There's no doubt, you're guilty. And this man walks in with his briefcase and he opens the briefcase, pulls out this letter and he looks at you and says, not guilty. You're free to go. You've been pardoned. What would that mean to you even though you knew you were guilty? See, humanity as a whole, we're all on death row. You know why? Because we're all guilty. We're all guilty of sin, every one of us in this room. But when we receive Jesus as Lord of our life and we repent of our sins, you know what Father God says? Not guilty. Not guilty. I'm pardoning him. You're free to go. And this is what this is talking about. Because of Jesus. And so he goes on to say at the end of verse 2, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, right here when you look at this, Paul lays out two directions we can go. We're either going to live by, by the law of sin and death or the law of the Spirit. This is in verse 2. Keep reading with me. He says, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That word, has made me free, means to liberate, to acquit. And what Jesus does is he frees us from our sin. How does he do that? I receive him as Lord of my life, and I repent. And something starts happening on the inside of me. And after a period of time, that something on the inside starts working and manifesting on the outside, and people start saying, there's a change in you. What happened? Same chapter. Keep reading with me in verse number 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, they set their, things, or their minds on the things of the Spirit. So part of the, the transformation that goes on with us, it's a continuing or a progressive change. That day by day, i got to think in line with the Word of God. That's Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Start thinking in line with the Word of God. Because if you don't think in line with the Word of God, you're going to think in line of the flesh. And the one I think on the most 
is the one that's going to win. Verse 6. For to be carnally or fleshly minded is death. Now get the words here, it's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now I've been on both sides of that pendulum. I've lived the life of death, and I'm getting to live the life of peace. I prefer peace. I like peace a lot better. It's a lot better to live that way. And God will bless your life. Keep reading verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity or hostility against God, for it is not subject to the law or the word of God, nor can it be then. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So you may ask this question today. So what if I'm born again and I, I, I keep sinning? Does that mean that I'm out? No. No, it doesn't mean you're out. The goal for every one of us is to be perfect. Will we ever get there? Probably not. But here's what happens. Once I get born again... Before I got born again, it didn't bother me to sin. You know why sin or sin? I enjoyed sinning. But now that I've gotten born again, when I do sin, it bothers me. The Spirit of God convicts my heart, and so you know what I do? I repent because I want to please God. And so am I sinless? No, I just sin less. Boy, he's a tricky one, isn't he? That's what I want to do. I'm going to put hope in you. Just because you've gotten born again and you missed it, doesn't mean God marks it. Doesn't mean God takes, takes this human-sized sharpie and marks your name out. He said, I've had it with that Philip Insignius. He didn't do that. That's why he gives us the gift of repentance. Now turn over just a couple pages to your right to the book of Philippians chapter 3. See, when you look at all this as what we've talking about, that's why Jesus didn't want the woman to sin anymore. Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. He wasn't telling her don't sin no more just to pop her on the head. He wanted her life to be blessed. He wanted her life to be that of peace. So we're going to the book of Philippians chapter 3. This is a passage about a guy who at one time's name was Saul. And he was a rat. He was no good. Actually, he became the Apostle Paul. And when you study the Apostle Paul's life, he said this about himself. I am the chief sinner. I'm sinner number uno. I'm the best sinner. And I believe there's some of us have given him a close race. But Paul himself said he was the chief sinner. And this is just my own personal opinion. I believe he was the greatest disciple of them all. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. So I look and I think, this guy who at one time was the chief sinner now becomes one of the chief diplomats for the kingdom of God. And so I ask myself, what did he do to get from a life of sin to being a disciple of Christ? The scriptures will tell us. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I've already attained, am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. 
You know what Jesus does for every one of us? He makes us his own. Now, there's some interesting words in there. Several times you'll see I, 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 I. Paul said, I press on. It's as if he was saying here, I'm determined to possess the perfection that can only come through Christ Jesus. Now, a better word to me for the word press is to pursue. I pursue Christ Jesus. Now, part of this right here, you know what the Apostle Paul tells me and you to do here? You do your part, and Jesus will do his part. And if we pursue Jesus on a daily basis, I'm going to tell you the things of God are going to start happening in my life. What does pursuing Jesus on a daily basis mean? That means you hang out with Jesus. Now, this may be a, a, a mystery for some of you in marriage. But the way you become one in marriage, you hang out together. You pursue each other. Before I married Shelly, I pursued her. I mean, I was after her. Wherever she was at, that's where I wanted to be. I still pursue her. It's a good thing. This is what Paul's giving us a nugget here and saying, continue to pursue the things of God. Verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended But one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. Now here's a nugget for each one of us. The Apostle Paul's aim, his aspiration was this. I'm going to forget those things that are behind me. And each one of us, we've got things that we need to forget that are in our past too. How many of you have ever tried to drive your car through your rearview mirror? Not good to try that. You won't get very far. See, that's exactly what happens in life. When we look at life through our rearview mirror, we stay in our past. We never get past our past. Whether it's sin, shame, guilt. So he says, one thing I do, I forget my past and look at the next thing. And I reach forward to those things which are ahead. So a lot of times, here's what we try to do. We forget our past, but we don't do nothing else. So the key, the apostle Paul says, forget your past. Yesterday's over, tomorrow's not here, so all's I got today. But he says, I'm looking to my future. I'm looking to the things of God in my life. And when I start getting on the things of God in my life, get ready. Get ready. The things are going to start changing. And then in verse 14, look what he says. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying? I want to know Christ. I want to be like Christ. I want to be everything that Jesus says I can be. Well, what did Jesus say I could be? He said you can be more than a conqueror. He said you can be an overcomer. But the issue in this verse here is there's a tension. There's a tug of war that goes on in every one of us. And you know what that tug of war is? This side right here is pulling me to the past. That old man. That's who I was before Christ Jesus. And this this tug of war part is trying to pull me into my future, who I am in Christ Jesus, that new creation reality. And you know which one wins? The one you think about the most. The one you meditate on the most. 
the one you hang around. I'm going to tell you, you get around people that all they want to do is tell you how bad they've been all their life. This has happened. That's, I'm going to tell you, they're going to stay that way the rest of their life. I like to talk about people who want to talk about their future in Christ Jesus. And so what happens is people will try to remind you of your past. I can go to class reunions and people will say, what happened to you? You used to be this way and you used to be that way. And you know what I get to tell them? Jesus came into my life. And he took an F student and he made him an A-plus student. He put me on the honor roll, the kingdom honor roll. My name's written in the book of heaven, the Lamb's book of life. Not because anything I did except because of Jesus came in my life. And he said, you know what? As long as you keep hanging out with me, I'm going to make you a miracle. I'm going to make you. And see, that's what God does. That's what Jesus does. And i got one more scripture for you. Hebrews chapter 8. So you know what you see with Apostle Paul here? Just like in his life, he realized it's never too late to begin again. Even if sin has marked your life. So what do I do, Pastor? Well, realize you're, you're forgiven. Receive Jesus as Lord of your life and start living that way. Now Hebrews chapter 8, I want to read one verse. Verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness or their wickedness. And their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Wow. This is a promise from God. Let me give you another one. 1 John 1, 9 says that if you'll confess your sins, God's faithful and just to not only forgive you, but to cleanse you. I don't think you guys are getting that. Let's just say this is my chalkboard here. And every time we sin on earth, they start tallying them up. Start tallying them. Now the problem for for my life is that's not big enough. I would have probably had to use the big overscreen. I mean, they're marking and marking and marking and marking and marking. And so I give my heart to Jesus and I say, Father God, I take responsibility for my choices, my actions, and behaviors. And I've, wrong. I've sinned, Lord. I've sinned and I repent of them. And you know what Father God does? He gets, he gets one of those big angels, Gabriel or Michael, and they take their wing and they wipe our slate totally clean. And he says, everything you've done, I've forgiven you. I've forgot it. Now let me help you with that just a little bit. What do you need to forget that God's forgotten? Because a lot of times, we don't want to let go of sin. Sometimes this is what we do. We'll come down here to the altar, and we'll repent, and we'll take our sins, and we'll lay them right here and say, okay, Father God, I give them up. And then after the service is over, you walk by and kind of sneaky, you look around and you pick it back up. Not today. Not today. I don't care how big of a mess you've made. I don't care... What your afflictions are, your, ade- your, your diseases are, Jesus came and he took them. And if Jesus took them, let's let him happen. So what happens is you give your heart to Jesus and allow Jesus to become the construction manager and let him build your life. And when he starts building your life, he takes messes and he makes miracles and he builds a great workmanship. He creates you in the things of God. And you literally become a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
no matter what's happened in our lives, stand up today. And I, I preached a lot better than you guys, amen. I'm, I'm very appreciative of what Jesus did. And I, I, I was a sinner, guys. All the sin in my life, the stinking junk I've done. But God forgave me. And God will forgive you. Just with every head bowed here right now. Maybe sin has marked your life. Maybe you're identified like the, the adulterer was. That was her identity. She's, a, she's adultery. She's an adulteress. Maybe guilt. The things you've done have tried to identify you. Maybe shame that you're so... You, you have the thought all the time, oh, I pray no one ever finds out what I've done. See, today I believe this, that Jesus wants you to, to start again today, that you can begin again today. And He gives us the choice to come to Him and say, Jesus, come into my heart. And He gives us the choice to repent and ask Him to forgive us. And then He starts working on us. He starts working on you. And we start hanging out with Jesus. If you're here today, I don't want you to be ashamed. That's why I can tell the stories of my past. I can tell you about all my sin, guys. Because I realize that's no longer me. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, so I'm not going to go back that way. And I believe that's what God wants to do with each one of us today. So this, the team is going to pray, and I want you to come down here today and lay all the messes you've made of yourself down right here and say, okay, I'm going to lay them at your feet and then invite Jesus not only to come into your heart, but ask Him to move in your life. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.